as I get started, I pick up a gift and three people raise their hand. I'll take that! It's Christmas and it's Family Sunday. And I got to thinking about Christmas and I got to thinking about reconciliation. I got to thinking about gifts. Is there anybody here who doesn't like gifts? I love gifts. I love gifts. I love to give gifts. I love to wrap. I think I'm one of those weird guys. I actually like to wrap presents. I do. I wrap my own presents. I, I have this belief. It may, you may not agree with me, but it's okay. I can be right and you can be wrong. And we can still be friends. But I have this belief about presents and about gifts. I believe that the way you wrap a present, the way that you give the gift, shows just as much love and care for the person you got the gift for in the first place as the gift itself. See, some guys, especially men, men were bad at this, we'll, we'll get something really nice for our wives or our girlfriends or our moms or that special person. We'll get them something really nice. Oh, my, my gift is messing up there. All right. I didn't wrap that. I had somebody else do it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but we'll get a really nice gift, and then what do we do? We grab the comic section and some duct tape, and we, we wrap up this nice ring or this necklace with, with leftover stuff. I, I love to make gifts presentable. One of my most cleverly designed gifts was for Mitzi a few years ago. And it was, it was that fateful year, and if they're Alabama and Auburn fans, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It was that fateful year in the Iron Bowl when Nick Saban said, One more second! One more second! And here's the thing. I got her the scarf that she wanted. It was just a simple scarf. It had elephants on it. She's an Alabama fan. I still love her, but it just had, it's a simple scarf, and she really liked it. But I got to thinking, how can I give her this scarf? And I went and I bought a Kleenex box. And with, with my little uh, scalpel, I cut the end flap, and I opened it up, and I took all the Kleenexes out, and I split them in half, and I layered that scarf back and forth, and then I taped the one end of the scarf to the, the other half of the Kleenexes, and I put it all sandwiched back together, put it back in the box, got a hot glue gun, and glued the little flap back down so it looked like an unopened box of Kleenex. And on the tag, I cleverly wrote, for the Alabama fan that has everything except one more second. <laughs> now, I didn't have a dog in a fight. I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan, so it didn't matter to me who won the game. It was like, she opens the gift, as she reads the tag, she opens the gift, it's a box of Kleenexes. And it was great because she was like, seriously? Boom, set it down. I was like, open the gift. She said, I did. Open it. So she picked it back up. She's looking at it. Peeled the little plastic thing off. Opened a little cardboard thing. Pulled out a Kleenex. Nothing. Pulled out another one. Nothing. Kept, finally, she's getting kind of frustrated. She's pulling it in. It got stuck, and she pulls out this Alabama scarf. Now, the moral of that story is always open the gift all the way. Because you never know what may be inside. And that's something we need to consider. By the way, I also love getting gifts. And if Christmas snuck up on you, Andy and I accept gifts through Valentine's Day. So I just want to let you know that as well. So it's, it's okay if you didn't, you know, if you just kind of, you didn't think about it this morning. But we're here. In all seriousness, we're going to talk about the gift of reconciliation today. Before we get into that gift, will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you that we can come, man, and celebrate the birth of your son. I thank, I thank you that we can do that freely. I pray that we'll do that daily and not just once a year. I pray that 
as Dylan said in his offering time, we'll celebrate the birth of your son by how we use our spiritual gifts and our physical gifts that you've given to us. Lord, I pray that what we do here today will make us to be a better reflection of you and of your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Now, I started my message out talking about gifts. One, because I wanted to get your attention, and and pretty much everybody has unwrapped something this morning, I'm sure. But I wanted to get you into this frame of mind of giving and getting gifts. I want you to think about this, because the only way to get the perfect gift for someone is to know the person. It's so hard for me when somebody says, hey, come to our Christmas party, we're going to have a dirty Santa gift exchange or a white elephant gift exchange, because... I want to know somebody, and I don't ever know who's going to get the gift. So I just have to get something that I like, because then everybody would be happy. Sometimes. But you have to know the person. To really give a good gift, you have to know things about the person. You need to know their likes and their dislikes. Sometimes maybe you need to know their needs. Meeting a need may be the best gift you can give to someone. Maybe knowing their dreams, their goals, what they aspire to be. And your gift could be something that, that kind of eggs them on into that success of that, that particular area of life. Sometimes the perfect gift comes because the giver of the gift actually knew something about you that you didn't even really know about yourself. Have you ever gotten one of those gifts? Where you, you needed something but you weren't sure what it was and all of a sudden somebody showed up at your door and said, Hey, I just felt that you needed to have this. There's a gift right there. I, I think this clip from the Chronicles of Narnia is a good example of what I'm talking about. Go ahead and play this, and you'll see what I mean about giving gifts that you didn't even know you really needed.
You see what happened there? <clears throat> Father Christmas, he knew exactly what those four young, or three young people were going to need. It, those gifts were not on their Christmas list. I'm sure that Susan didn't ask for a bow and an arrow and a horn. That wasn't on their list. But Narnia hadn't even had Christmas for over a hundred years. They were surprised too. Just before that clip, they hear the bells coming and they hide and they almost missed Father Christmas because they thought he was the white witch. But he stopped and he waited, he surprised them. Similar to the arrival of Jesus. You see, for 400 years, Yahweh had been silent. Perhaps like those in Narnia, the Jewish people had forgotten the prophecies. Forgotten the promises of the, of the prophets of the Old Testament. And we read in Scripture that many people missed the coming Messiah. You see, like the children in Narnia had assumed upon hearing the sleigh bells that the white witch was coming, so they acted accordingly. They ran and hid. The Jews also assumed how their Messiah would come. Even though they'd heard of all the prophecies, they allowed their perceived notions and their desires for an earthly king, for an earthly conqueror to get in the way, and they simply couldn't believe the unbelievable about Jesus Christ. Too mild to be our king, some said. Too humble. Too meek. God knew this would happen. I think that's why God, that's why John the Baptist was born and came in the way that he did. When I think about John the Baptist, I think about after 400 years of silence, it was time for God to get and make some noise. And so he, he raises up John the Baptist and he was the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make way. Make way for the Messiah. Make way for the Messiah. You know why he was out in the wilderness? He was not proper enough to be in the synagogue. He was unkept. His message was different than theirs. His message was simple. Make way for the Messiah. His message was one of repentance. His message was prepare yourself because one greater than me, one greater than all of these is coming. Prepare yourself. Repent now. Be ready for when he comes. That kind of message wasn't allowed in the synagogues back then. And believe it or not, the Pharisees and the priests, the ones who should have been looking for Jesus to come, but they just couldn't get past some of their traditions. They couldn't get past their understandings of the law of Moses. They couldn't get past these things in order to prepare the people for the coming of the King of Kings and the gift of God's peace, His joy, the gift of hope, the gift of love, the gift of grace and forgiveness. John the Baptist understood those prophecies. He understood things like Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. I love this last part right here. Say this with me, matter of fact. Read this with me. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Oh, I love that. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. John the Baptist knew those prophecies. He believed that the coming Messiah would be a light in the dark. Sometimes... We forget about those things. We forget the promises of God. Sometimes we forget what God said. That's why we sin. 
We, we may not forget fully, but momentarily we forget the promises of God or, or somehow we get to a place in life where we begin to believe that His Word is not as relevant to us today as it was 2,000 years ago. We begin to believe that what He's promised isn't going to happen because He's taking His time and it should have already happened. Sometimes I think we need to be more like John the Baptist or maybe in remembering the promises of our God. We need to be like the beaver family and some of the other animals in the, the Chronicles of Narnia. At the beginning of the, of the book, as, as the kids come into Narnia, the beavers and some of the other animals understand these prophecies and their significance. And they continue to believe it for a hundred years. Even when others didn't, they, they didn't just remember and believe it, but they kept trying to tell these four, the Pevensey kids, hey, you are the kings and queens of Narnia. No, we're not. Yeah, it's the prophecy. It's what's going to happen. People came and said, Jesus is the king of kings. King Herod said, no, he's not. I am. Forget the prophecies. They didn't miss the prophecy because they chose to believe the unbelievable. Those who, who followed Jesus, John the Baptist, those guys, they chose to trust in God's plan. They chose to trust in God's way, to trust in God's purpose, to trust in God's promises, and most importantly, to trust in God's timing. Speaking of timing and, and going back to that clip, Father Christmas showed up at the proper time to be a part of fulfilling the prophecy of Narnia. And those gifts, he said to those kids, these are tools, not toys. Those things were game changers for that story. They didn't even know that they needed them. They had no idea they were going into a battle. They had no idea what was coming for them. But they received gifts that they needed and they didn't even know it. You know, it's a funny thing about that with gifts. Because when you, when you finally unwrap the gift and you get to see what's in there, and on this particular gift, it's, it's three wise men. They're looking for Jesus. These wise men knew because they'd heard the prophecy, because they saw the signs. They heard the prophecy from Daniel back in the Old Testament. And they knew after hearing the king, they went and saw King Herod. He told them, find this kid, report back to me. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east, the star that initially was bringing them on this journey, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star... They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. That is so cool. You see, Father Christmas provided what the Pevensey kids needed for the battle. And the Magi provided and arrived at, at where, where Jesus was as a toddler. They arrived just as the prophecy was said. They fulfilled that prophecy and they provided what Mary and Joseph would need. Later, and I don't even know if Mary and Joseph realized at that time what they were receiving. Some people say they do. I don't know. But they were given these gifts 
And then shortly after the Magi left, God told Joseph in a dream to take his family and go to Egypt. I wish there was more in the scripture about what they were doing when Jesus was around two years old. Because I think that these gifts, this gold, frankincense and myrrh, if, if there was ever any question about how we we're going to get to Egypt, it was answered by these gifts. They would have the means to make that journey. Talk about believing the unbelievable. From the very beginning of the story, Mary's pregnancy, Joseph's dreams, Jesus entering the world the way he did, the angels appearing to the shepherds, the gifts of the Magi, all happened because Jesus is the gift that we needed. And the world then, and the world now, sometimes we don't even realize that we need him. Jesus showed up as the first part of fulfilling the prophecy. And in Narnia, Father Christmas provided the gifts that were needed in the future to help them win the battle for Narnia and to fulfill the prophecy that when four kings and queens sit on the throne, there will be peace in Narnia. God knew the same thing. God knew that we would need the perfect gift. He knew that the son he was sending was also going to be the perfect gift of sacrifice. It's going to be the perfect gift for us. Great things often come in small packages. It looks simple. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's the Ten Commandments. Born under the law so that He might redeem those who were under the law. That we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has, has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. See, that's reconciliation. No longer slaves. We're no longer under the law because the law punishes. We're under the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. The Word of God. Life. Lord and Savior. Son of God, peace, servant, Emmanuel, Messiah, Lord and Savior, comforter, Prince of Peace. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The gift of all gifts because of this unbelievable gift. We are heirs through God. This gift of wonder, this gift of glory, this gift of love, this gift of peace. Emmanuel, God with us. But it wasn't enough that Christ was born in such a way as this. We think we know the, the whole story, but we just know the beginning. See, in order to understand the full story, in order to appreciate the gift that was given to us that day, we have to move beyond the manger. We have to unwrap the whole gift. Colossians 1, 13 through 22 says, For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth. 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. He is in all things. And in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alternate, excuse me, formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless. And beyond reproach. Holy and blameless. And beyond reproach. I want you to hear this, those last two verses again. The Bible tells us, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. He's reconciled us. If you were taking note, if you were paying attention, every word in the sermon that I preached today came from these words on the wall. I added a few. But this Advent calendar was not just a, a cool thing with pictures and words. It was the basis for this whole series on the secrets of Christmas. And this one word, reconciliation. If you're looking for the perfect gift still, I'm here to offer it to you this morning. The final secret of Christmas is this. Our God has made a way to reconcile us to Him by giving us the gift of His Son. And all we have to do is accept the gift. Open it all the way and then start giving it away. If you'd like to receive that gift this morning, the gift of reconciliation, the baptistry is ready. What a way to, to, to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior by putting your old self to death and starting fresh with the newness of life, with forgiveness of your sins, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit according to God's plan. Maybe for you, though, the, the time of reconciliation is a time just of, of needed prayer and encouragement or accountability, or redirection for a season that's in your life. Your church family and our elders are here. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to begin a journey of accountability with you into the new year. Maybe you've just been away from the fellowship of Christians for a while, and it's time to come home, and you'd like to partner with us as we serve and reflect Christ in our community. Let me just say, welcome home. But whatever your response is this morning, think about these gifts. Think about this series. Think about reconciliation. Would you stand and sing with us our response song, knowing that our God loved us enough to have a plan that would reconcile us to Him. Amen. That's an amazing love. 
It's been great to be here with all of you this morning to celebrate the birth of our Savior King Jesus with you. I'd like to invite you all back next year. I've been waiting all year to say that. I'd like to invite you all back next year. It's really just next week. I don't want to confuse anybody. And we're going to look at the deconstructed church all through 2017. And we're going to see what we can find when we begin to take apart some of the traditions and cultures of church as we know it that have grown up around God's church. But now it's time to go. As you go this morning to spend time with your family and friends, go knowing that you are loved. Go knowing that because of that love and because of God's plan, we can be reconciled to Him. And that is truly the best gift of Christmas and the secret of Christmas, all wrapped up for you to take wherever you go. Today and every day, I pray that you will go being a better reflection of the light of the world. Will you sing this last song with us?